Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and Chavruta Yerdena Azband. Our daf of the day, Masach and Yuma, daf Yudchet, page 18. Uh, our daf has a couple of Mishnayot for us, for a change. I keep saying that the daf is bookended by these two Mishnayot, one at the beginning, one at the very end. The one at the very end really is at the very end. The one at the beginning is not quite at the very beginning because the Gemara kind of continues its discussion of the Lechem Apanim, the showbread from the previous daf. Um, and I should just note, we want to thank Wendy Dickstein for writing in to us and sending us a link to it. There's actually, uh, I want to call it a showbread farm, right? Meaning there's an institution in um, in Israel, in, uh, where did I see it? Carnation Rhone, where they are making, practicing, I guess, putting together the showbread, the showbread, showbread. they call it showbread, Lechem Hapanim, it is this. Um, and it's a ir- really interesting website i imagine they have their tour is very interesting as well uh perhaps one day i will go and report back in the meantime uh we will share that link and thank you wendy now to our mishnah so just keep in mind right the kohen here is still in his preparatory week before yom kippur so what happens the sage is here meaning the Zakanim of the time, not the sages of the Talmud, the elders of the time, right? They give um, the Kohen Gadol, um, they bring him the elders from the court, and they would read to him from the davening, I guess, from the service or the the account, really, I guess, of what they would... Uh, I, I the da- always thought it wasn't from the davening, that it was from the Torah. I think it's from the Torah. I yeah, do. Meaning, reading the Torah, right. The account of what's supposed to happen for the Avodah, which nowadays we kind of reference from the Siddur, but really it's from the from the Torah. They didn't have a Siddur yet either, for that matter. Right? So they read it to him, and they would say before him, Ishi Kohen Gadol, meaning you, my master, Kohen Gadol. And I find this fascinating, by the way, that the translation um, here, a translation here, the Koran translation here says, Ishi is my master. Now, so many people nowadays will say ish, ish would mean, you know, man or ishi, my man, as opposed to, for example, the vocabulary of ba'al, meaning, which colloquially means husband, it also means master. So the fact that this translates ishi to be my master kind of puts a thorn into the rationale of saying ishi instead of ba'ali, but I just, that's a total, total tangent and uh, kind of strange observation in any case, I'm not sure that it's a perfect translation. Ishi Kohen Gadol, right? They say to him, you know, my master Kohen Gadol, it is certainly a term of respect to him. They say, okay, read it. You read it. You read it with your own mouth, meaning because we, and it's such a pedagogically astute point that when you recite something, when you see something yourself, instead of just listening to it, you learn it better. He says, read it with your own mouth, because what if you forgot it? Or what if you never learned it? And then the question of whether you never learned to read, you never learned, you never read this, it's not exactly clear. Um, and then the right, and then the concern is they would really like run him through the motions of the avoda. Right where they it's now we're talking about it's Aravim Kippur and it's in the morning and what do they do they put him in this eastern gate of the court, courtyard and they pass before him parim ve'elim ukfasim right the the bulls and the rams and the sheep 
so that he gets familiar with the animals. He should be familiar with the service. Now, what generation this Kohen Gadol is makes a difference, right? To Again, how familiar is he going to be with the service? Is this the kind of era when each Kohen Gadol, each Jim Kipper saw a new Kohen Gadol, in which case he probably really didn't have experience with the Avoda, not from the last year anyway, or is it somebody who, you know, really should have known it and they're just putting him through his paces because that's what you do to make sure that somebody really is on top of their game. Kol lo the whole, this I found to be interesting as well, all seven days that he is, meaning from the beginning of the seven days that he is in this um, sequestered state of practicing, they would not um, regulate or monitor his food, whatever he wanted to eat, he could eat. But once it comes to Erevim Kippur, Erevim um, Kippurim, they say, they, they would not give him um, a lot to eat or drink on Erevim Kippur from the time that it's you know already the night, so it's a full 24 hours before Yom Kippur, because they say that if you eat too much, it's going to make you fall asleep. And the whole thing is they're not supposed to let him fall asleep, which we haven't really discussed yet, but but we will, right? They need him practicing, um, you know, and, and sharp. And the concern being that the food might make him drowsy. So, Yodana, do you have anything to say before I go on? You can uh, go on. I mean, I think the the thing that struck me about this is that, you know, we tend to sort of like really eat a lot on Erev Yom Kippur. Um, and here, and again, we'll see this more. I, I know you're going to read some pieces about the specific foods and why we don't eat it. Those, well, why the Kohen Gadol doesn't eat those foods. But, you know, this is a little bit different than what we typically do on Erev Yom Kippur. Again, it makes sense. The Kohen Gadol is a totally different role of what needs to be fulfilled on Yom Kippur itself than what you or I do. Right, right. That's certainly true. Uh, listen, the rest of what he's doing is also quite different from what you or I do. Bishlama, the Gemara addresses this directly because the first, the second half of the mission about the food, fine, we'll get to that. But the first half of the mission, which is talking about how they would keep him awake to make sure that he knew the text of the Avoda, as, that it's going to prep him for it to make sure that he knows what's flying, is interesting. Because again, is this like, a ritual basic level of what you're supposed to do, you know, to make sure that it's done, or does he really not know? And the Gemara certainly treat, you know, asks this question on the, on the ladder, right? What presumably he should know what's going on, but maybe he doesn't. It says, you want to say it's fine that he, what if you forgot? Cause what if you forgot? What if you never learned it? This is always like a, a curse, like a, whoa, that kind of, that kind of oath. Who is appointing such a person to be the Kohen Gadol to begin with? Meaning, get a better guy to begin with. Don't, you know, it's one thing to say, like, maybe he forgot. Okay, people forget things, fine. But to say that he never learned to begin with, how can you have a Kohen Gadol who never learned the main text of the main avoda that is the main thing that the Kohen Gadol is supposed to do? Vatanya, and there's an answer here, right? The brightest is a bright that says, Vakoen Gadol Machav. The, the verse, it's a verse in Vayikra, Kafa Aleph 21. Basically, it just, the, the citation here is very brief, but the idea is that the Kohen Gadol is greater, better, from, you know, from his brothers, meaning brothers from his brethren, from the people around him, right? Which means he's supposed to be better. These four categories, meaning he should be greater than them in strength, in noi, in, um, 
in beauty, I guess, in appearance, that would be. But Chochma is wisdom, Uba Osher in wealth. Well, what if he didn't have that kind of wealth that, you know, put him a step ahead um, above his fellow Kohanim, for example? So then they said, well, the Pasuk just says, the Kohen who is greater than the brothers. So then, rather, the Gemara says, so elevate him, meaning give him some stature, give him a status that will be, um, that will put him in a different category than the others. The one thing they seem to agree on, though, is that he's got to be wise, in which case we still have to come back to this question of, like, why doesn't he seem to know what's going on? Um, <clears throat> and then, so Rev Yosef just says, look, this is not an issue, really. Why? I think you want to talk about this more, so I'm not going to delve into it Right now, I just want to say, like, they do address this question of how could it be that this Kohen, this Kohen Gadol, you know, seems to not even have ever learned his piece. Um, I'm going to leave that for you to come back to. I'm going to jump down now just to talk very briefly about this food issue, right? On the Arab Yom Kippur, where he's not supposed to be eating too much. Um, so the Gemara says as follows. Kol Shivatamim. And this gets, I'm sorry, this is addressed much more extensively than anything I'm going to say. It is, depending on your, your the way your mind works, you'll either find it quite interesting or quite boring because there's like a whole acrostic system of what foods are signaled to not, to eat or to not eat. But I'm not, to, I'm not doing that either, right? Today's whole thing of what I'm not doing, the daf as a whole is really interesting. Right? This is the, for seven days, they wouldn't keep him from anything. He could eat whatever he wanted until Arab Yom Kippur. Tanya, we've got a bright day. Rabbi Yehuda ben Nakosa Omer Machalinoto Salatot Ubeitim Kedei Lamas Maso. It says, give him, on Arab Yom Kippur, you should give him, um, it says Slatot. I'm sorry, I, I mispronounced it. I read it like Salat, like salad, but it's not. It's Slatot, like Solet. Fine flour and eggs. And the idea is that he will be able to empty his bowels this way so that he will not need the bathroom too much on Yom Kippur itself. Well, um, Lulu, just, can I just interrupt here? Remember that if you do need to, uh, you know, if you evacuate your bowels, you actually have to do a full body mikvah immersion. That's what Kohanim had to do. If you just urinate, then you, you just need to, um, kidesh, you just have to wash your hands and your feet. So it's not just about not wanting to interrupt the service by needing the bathroom. There's like a pra- there's a real practical piece to it as well. Yes, that is yes, that is certainly true. Okay, and then I'm and then so the current concern is again like what foods is he going to eat? <coughs> excuse me, that that will bring him to it says chimum right chimum meaning warm, but the implication here is that he's in a state of arousal. Now what's going on here? It's a you know a really puzzling situation because really giving him these kinds of foods seems to be the opposite you know, the, uh, the counter to the goal of making sure that he stays pure, right? Because what if he's going, to, whatever. The, the whole issue of um, what he eats and how it might affect his body and the fact that this concern really seems to only kick in for Erev Yom Kippur itself, I find to be very, very interesting. The details of which food and how and what, um, I think we can quibble over whether they whether these foods really have the effect that the Gemara says that they do? Well, some of the foods do. I mean, when you think about it, like there was a list of like milk, 
you know, dairy, eggs, like those are sort of the foods that people kind of tend to think of as like inflammatory foods. But I, I may be totally reading that with like a modern inflammatory, sense. I but I'm not like sure a little aphrodisiacs. Right. Garlic makes your breath smell, you know, like they weren't. I, I agree. With, I think that these are you're, you're entirely right. Right. We, we Certainly food has effect. And some of these foods are, I'm sure, are inflammatories, whatever. All I was going to say is that I just don't think that they're necessarily aphrodisiacs. That they're going. Right. 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 But I don't think that's how it's meant. I think it's meant that it has an actual physical effect that actually causes somebody to have a buildup of semen. Like it's I don't know that it's so much like an aphrodisiac. I think it's more because that's why it also gets into that, like, there are foods that a zub shouldn't eat, right? Because the idea is that it's something that just can cause an emission from that part of the body. Right. So my point is, I'm not sure that modern science would concur with these particular foods, whether this actually happens. Oh, I that, I would, that I would totally agree with. Okay. That, that was my only point. Meaning that, like, yes, we, I, think, I think everybody today can agree that food has can have real impact on the body besides just, you know, stopping hunger. Um, you know, what you eat does make a difference. Right. No, that I would agree with. Um, I'm going to move on. I just want to point out, I won't read it inside, but that the Gemara does make this point of talking about, again, the difference between the Kohen Gadol from the first Beit HaMikdash versus the second Beit HaMikdash, and that the second Beit HaMikdash was very clear you could buy your way into the Kahuna and to being a Kohen Gadol. Um, and, you know, that that was a problem there. And, and I, we keep seeing reference to that over and over again. So that clearly was a political issue uh, that really concerned at least the, 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 the Prushim, the rabbinic class. Um, but then the Gemara goes on to something interesting here, which is, you know, the, the Mishnah described that on the morning of Arab Yom Kippur, they would show um, the Kohen Gadol, you know, right? They would show him the oxes, the rams and the sheep. Right, so he should recognize them and be familiar with them. And so now they bring another Brisa, Tana, Afashirim, even the Higots. So now the Gemara wants to ask, Tana Didan, my time, Tana So our Tana and our mission of the Gemara wants to know, why doesn't he mention the Higots? And the Gemara gives a very beautiful answer. Because they come to atone for sin. And it might make basically the Kohen Gadol. Uh, like just depressed or despondent when he sees them. So in other words, the other animals aren't for atoning. So it, you know, even though there's a, there's a real solemnness and seriousness, and it may not put the coin guns on the right frame of mind to start the avoda for Yom Kippur. But then the Gemara says, parnami. But then why are you showing him the the part? So a chatas that he's bringing on Yom Kippur. Al ati. Right. It comes also to be a chatas. So the Gemara answers par. That comes specifically, it's a, it's a chatas. Remember, the Kohen brings one for him and his Beito. Then he brings another one for him and like all the Kohanim. So it's for him and all the Kohanim. So if there's anyone among his, you know, Kohanim who has something that, you know, he needs the Kohen Gadol, uh, he'll, he'll know what that is about, basically, right? He knows what it is that they need to repent about. In other words, like, the Kohen Gadol knows what the, you know, what his other Kohanim are up to and what sins they may have done and why they need to. But the Kule Yisrael lo yata. But when it comes to all of Yisrael, right? In other words, all B'nai Yisrael, who he's doing this whole Aboda for, eh, he's not actually going to know. And that may be what stresses him out. 
What are the things that, that they actually need to do that, that they need kapara for? Um, and then finally, it ends with this sort of uh, funny thing. I'm a Rabina. Rabina says, This is what people say. Right? If your sister's son is a policeman, make sure you don't pass them. Right? So in other words, because what it's saying is, is that your nephew sort of knows your private affairs and he can find a reason to sort of like arrest you or to bother you as a police officer. Um, and so the idea is, is that the Kohen Gazel knows what's going on with the Kohanim. He, he's very clear what his kavana has to be, what he needs to make sure people are turning for. But when it comes to all of B'nai Israel, it's sort of this enormous task. He doesn't really know what's going on with everybody. And so, again, I think this, one of the themes I keep paying attention to is who does the Kohen Gadol serve, you know? And so I think here we see the piece where sort of we see that the Kohen Gadol has a different relationship with his fellow Kohanim. I mean, it makes sense as opposed to the relationship the Kohen Gadol has with all of B'nai Israel. So uh, anything about that, Anne, or I don't. I think I think you should move on. Meaning, I think I think it's interesting, and I think that is important. I don't think I have anything to add. I think it's also kind of straightforward—not straightforward, but straightforward enough. Right. Um. And then before I get to the mission, I just want to read one other interesting thing. When they get into this whole discussion about the seminal missions, you know, this whole thing that comes up, uh, basically about how, um, you know, all these rabbis would sort of like take wives, essentially. Right. They would have these wives that they would sort of take, uh, you know, because polygamy was allowed then. Um, but it's interesting to see sort of, you know, what they wanted to do uh, to sort of prevent themselves from having any ill or improper thoughts. Um, but now I'll get to the Mishnah. So the sages of the court put, you know, uh, basically put him in the care of the sages of the Kohanim. And they took the Kohen Gazel up to the Avnitas. A family chamber, essentially, right? So the idea is that the sages of the Sanhedrin would then sort of entrust in the coin to the sages of the Kohanim. And they took an oath to him, and then they they and then they would um, leave. So in other words, uh, this was a, an oath that the sages of the Chacham and the Sanhedrin would do before they gave him over to the Kohanim. And what would they say? Ishi Kohen Gadol. Again, this idea, my master, the Kohen Gadol. We are the agents of the court. You are the agent of the court. We charge you with an oath by him who dwells in this house, meaning God. That you will not change anything we have told you. And he would turn and cry and they would turn and cry. Now this will be discussed more tomorrow. So I'll leave it for then. Um, but it will be discussed more. But what we're going to see is, is that there was really an issue that, you know, they suspected many of these Kohanim of being Sudukim. And so it was a way of sort of ensuring that this avoda was done really the most proper way. And then it but goes, I, got, says, I gotta say, just, yeah, go ahead. Finish it up. And then I'll comment. If the Kohen Gadol was a scholar, he would teach. This is what basically what they did to sort of keep him up at night. Not scholars would lecture before him. If he could read scripture, he would read it. And if not, they would read before him. What did they read? They would read from Eo, from Ezra, from Divrei Yamim. Zachari ben Kuvtal Omer. Zachari ben Kuvtal says, um, uh, you know, that many times I read Daniel. So 
the idea is that these are the types of books that would engage him and keep him awake or prompt him to repent. Um, and that's sort of what was going on here. So very, be- I've always found this particular Mishnah to be very beautiful. Um, and, and tomorrow we'll, we'll discuss it more in the Gemara itself. Um, no, so I just wanted to say that I think that this this relationship with the Kohen, who the Kohen Gadol, meaning where they come and they they grill him and they talk to him and all of this, I feel like it actually somehow humanizes this whole process even in a in a more direct kind of way because the fact that they tailor it to whoever is before them, right? The fact that I mean, the mission that I read that says like, well, maybe you forgot, maybe you maybe you never learned it is. And, and they're just going to cover all the bases is not personal. But this mission, I think, is. And I found that to be interesting. I would totally agree with that. And that it's sort of, on the one hand, we started off the daf saying that, like, yeah, these Kohanim were not what they used to be. But this mission is basically saying we meet the Kohen Gadol with who he is. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Rabbi Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP and our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn. Thank you.